This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Giannis Pappas and Olivia Harlan Decker. Welcome to Unleashed, brought to you by BetMGM. Boy, the NBA playoffs are in full swing. What a good first round, too. We've got a lot to talk about there. And the NFL draft is finally here. If you're listening to this, it's probably Thursday morning. I hope you're on your way to work. I hope you are getting ready for all the action tonight. We are going to get you ready with our guest today. It's Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report and Pro Football Focus. Last week, we had Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. We got you covered. You can get all the insight. He's got a big board with over 300 players on it, ranking players by position. It's color-coded. It's gorgeous. It's a work of art. He is going to help us get ready. And if you listen to our show, I assume that you already know this, but you can bet on the NFL draft. And we're going to get you set there, too, because at the end of our show, as always, we bring in BetMGM betting expert Peter Andrew to guide you in the right direction there. This episode is very thorough, guys. This one has got you covered. Giannis, I just worry a little bit whenever we bring on an NFL guy, how many questions are you going to ask him about your Giants? I think last week I asked all the questions that I had about the Giants, so I don't want to be redundant, (laughs) but it will come up. I will ask, but you know, if he answers before I ask, all I need to know is, are we getting some big boys? And that's it. We need some big boys. Everyone knows what we need. Last week, we joked about it. Look, we may just have to go to all the Buffalo Wild Wings, all the restaurants where all the big eaters go, and just pull someone out of their chair and throw them in front of Daniel Jones. Whatever it's going to take to give that guy a couple of seconds to throw to Shepard, that's all we need. So give us some big boys, baby. Now, you know, if you go to like any restaurant in the state of Wisconsin, we can find a couple of those. I know you like to poke fun at Wisconsin. We don't skip many meals. <laughs> yeah, look, male or female. I've just came from Madison. Oh, hey, hey, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> I'm just saying. I set you up. <laughs> yeah, you set me up for that. I mean, you know, we're America. We like to eat. So, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm for gender equality. Whatever it takes, just give me 300 pounds and put it on the line. Yep. <laughs> Who's your cousin who you said might be available? Vasily. Vasily. But, yeah. you know, like we said, I don't know. I don't know if his lungs could handle it. But, look, if need be, I'm in New York. I like to eat. I'll blow up and put a helmet on me. Throw me out there. I'll protect Oh. Him. You're pregnant. Maybe we'll both go on the line. Hey, hey, now you've crossed it. That is too much. Now I've crossed the line. Yeah, pun intended. Pun intended about going on the line because yep. I crossed it. Oh, yeah. God. You're, you're lucky Sam's not here. I feel like he'd throw a swing at that one. I'm just saying I remember what it's like to be pregnant. Not me yeah, personally, what? but I remember my wife. She definitely liked to eat a little bit. Yeah. This is your time to eat. This is your time to eat and not be judged. <laughs> and you know what? You haven't eaten at all. So you look great. You're trying so hard. You're digging out of that hole, aren't you? I'm doing what they call damage control. Uh, I am my own golly. publicist right now. <laughs> Giannis here, do you want to read Go Right Into Bad Beat? Yeah, well now, while I'm trying to dig myself out of this <laughs> hole of basically saying Olivia's eating too much. Bad Beat of the Week. Let's talk about someone who suffered a tough loss this week. His name is Tim Trunzo. He's the winner of our Bad Beat of the Week. He had a same-game parlay with the Vegas Knights. San Jose Sharks that looked like it was about to cash big. Vegas had a two-goal lead with two minutes to go, six seconds left in regulation, and that's when things went downhill. 
Vegas led up two goals, including the tying goal, with less than a second left, then lost one donut in the shootout. Bad news for your bet, my friend. But good news, Timmy. The good news is you are the winner of our Bad Beat of the Week, and you are getting $100 in bet MGM site credit coming straight to you, my friend. So hopefully that eases the pain a little Mm. bit. I hope you can. It rubs a little icy hot on it for you. Not promoted. Just saying. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah, I hate when I give a company free promotion. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, send us money, icy hot. You give Shaq enough. Put in your Venmo right here. Yeah, I'll put my Venmo <laughs> right there. Icy hot. Send it to my account. Now, there's lots we want to talk about this week, from fans running on the court to Ben Simmons staying off the court. So, Olivia, you know what it is. It's time for us to unleash. Mm. It's time to unleash. I wanted to do that understated. (laughs) I love every week you do that different. That was understated. Oh, that was understated? You know what's not understated is my opinion on this. Last week, I unleashed on the Celtics fans who I thought were out of line to Kyrie Irving and might have deserved the double bird. I didn't so much say that, but it was kind of implied. So I'm not encouraging bad behavior, but I just thought... There are a couple of Bostonians who might have deserved it. And it's happening again this week in other sports. What is going on? We have fans going absolutely crazy, running on the court, getting into it with players. And then when I just tapped out, when I saw this had gone too far, was someone instigating it with Mike Tyson on an airplane? So first of all, we had, I believe, our third protester storm the court at a Timberwolves game. And if you aren't familiar, their whole shtick is it's a group of animal rights activists who have an issue with the chicken farm that the Timberwolves owner, Glenn Taylor, owns. And the way the farm killed chickens who had a bird flu outbreak, the organization deems it unethical. And I'm not taking a side on either of that. I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole because those animal rights activists are a very passionate group of people. And these protesters have glued themselves to the court, handcuffed themselves to the hoop, and most recently, one dressed as a referee, and her plan was to eject Glenn Taylor from the game. Now, points for creativity. It's clever. It's ballsy. That was until she got tackled and ejected by arena security. I mean, you just, you can't make this shit up. Then there was an incident at the Yankees game on Sunday. Cleveland Guardians outfielder Stephen Kwan crushed into the outfield wall trying to make a catch, right? Fans started yelling while he was getting checked on and, you know, make sure he was okay. His teammate, outfielder Miles Straw, came to his defense. But boy, that's when things got interesting as Straw climbed the outfield wall and had words with fans. So after the Yankees hit a walk-off for the win... The fans just pelted the field with garbage and bottles and all the like. I got to say, it was a very ugly, embarrassing scene. After the game, Straw called the Yankees fans classless and the worst fan base on the planet. And Giannis, that's your team. That's your squad. Uh, Were you there? (laughs) I was not there. I am highly disappointed in the Yankee fan base. Jesus. I'm sure. Brutal. <laughs> You've got to be, though. That's so, that's so embarrassing. Yeah, and this is like coming on the heels of the Boston incident with Kyrie. I think I unleashed last week yeah. on Boston fans. And this is karma coming back to haunt me because this was much uglier than what mm. Kyrie was dealing with. So I have no excuse. I got to say, Yankee fans can be horrible, especially those bleacher monsters back there. You know, it, it's not making a good case for drinking at games. No, and that's the whole thing about baseball games. They're so long. They're usually, you know, in the middle of the day. You're with all your boys. You're having a good time. Like, I only go to baseball games to drink. I don't really enjoy baseball as a sport. I've been very honest about that. I, I like sitting in the sun and having a beer. But I, but I would never throw my trash at a player. And do you remember, like, after COVID, when fans were allowed back at games and no one knew how to act, right? Everyone went crazy at games, college games, pro games, everything. There were all these fan incidents, but this weekend has gotten really bad. But the craziest thing I've seen involving a fan was up in the air. We got our maskless privileges back. Yeah. So everyone should just... We got our face privileges back. We can go raw daddy now. We can breathe raw daddy. (laughs) We should all be celebrating. Like, this is what we've been wanting for two years. But instead... 
Someone on a JetBlue flight turned it into a JetBlue fight as there was video and pictures of a passenger who got into it with Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, who is a character in itself, let alone a champ. Just don't mess with the man. It's like poking a bear. It's literally poking a bear. Or a... <laughs> So yeah, he threw a water bottle at him. And all of a sudden, Iron Mike had enough, and we got the real-life Mike Tyson's punch-out. And I just think this guy had it coming. One of my favorite musicals, Giannis, you know I'm a big musical theater junkie, is Chicago. And one of my favorite songs in it is He Had It Coming. And this guy did. This was crazy. I don't feel bad for him at all. Like, don't do that. Talk about someone who probably had a few... Yeah. Yeah, put them all in timeout. Ground them. It's this is really I think Yeah. I'm hoping this is all post pandemic just kind of pent up. People have, you know, they've been on break from being socialized and we're getting back into society and this ends soon because I don't think it's a coincidence that these are all happening back to back to back to back. Hopefully this dies down. Do not do not provoke Mike Tyson if you see him out there. He's a retired boxer. He's all chilled out now. He likes to smoke weed. He's like Confucius all the time on Twitter. Right. Doing, you know, tweeting all these sagest tweets. But make zero mistake about it. He's a kid from Brownsville, Brooklyn. Yep. And if you keep pressing him, <laughs> you're going to find out. Act a fool around Tyson, you're going to find out. So there's nobody who's siding with that kid. And and the common theme, everyone who's been harassing these athletes are drunk. So let's no. just legalize marijuana and that's it. They should only serve marijuana at these games and it'll be chilled out. Yeah. <laughs> Except baseball where you, where maybe they should give them Ritalin or cocaine just to make it exciting. Can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm bet MGM. I'm joking. I know this. This. I'm going. I'm crossing the line yeah. on this one. I'm really. I'm dancing on the wire. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. That's okay. That's that's why they hired you, right? Let's let's talk about Ben Simmons a little bit. Everyone's talking about it, but I want to throw my two cents into the pot because my take is a little different. I think what we have here is another example of the spell that dating one of the Kardashians can put on you. I don't know what is going on, but anytime any one of these athletes comes in contact with one of those women, their lives and their careers just fall apart. I mean, it seems like they love like guys who are like borderline role players emerging as stars, the Tristans, you know, and then they just fall apart. Ben Simmons was a star, but now he's scared to play. I don't know what is going on. I don't know what kind of witch powers these ladies have, but I think it has yeah. something to do with what's going on with Ben Simmons. Now, you know how much I hate Boston, all right? I'm a New York Yankees fan. It's just part of the tradition. But I got to say, congrats to the Celtics for taking out the brooms and sweeping KD and Kyrie. This has got to be embarrassing for KD and Kyrie. I mean, let's just think about it. One guy is talked about as being better than LeBron. The other guy thinks he doesn't need LeBron, and that's why he left. This is not a good look. This is not a good look for that argument. Look, I know they had a lot of problems this season. They weren't on the court at the same time for a lot of the season. Everyone's familiar with the... Kyrie not playing the first 37 games. Then the organization says you can't play on the road either if you can't play at home. And then, of course, Harden didn't work out and Ben Simmons. But still, when you have a healthy KD and Kyrie on the court, you're expecting they're going to not get swept yeah. at least. So this is a bad, bad luck. But let's focus in on Benny Simmons. <laughs> I mean, it's really become a joke on the internet now that everyone's joining in going, he's going to be ready for game one on 2027. <laughs> he's going to be ready for game one in the season of 2046. I mean, who knows? He's getting paid a lot of money. I think it's over $100 million. And no, he just says his back hurts or whatever. Nobody knows what's going on. He was supposed to be ready for game four. And all he is is out there in an outfit looking like he's yeah sitting he's it's fashion <laughs> it's week it just outfit. looks like he's just sitting there in fashion <laughs> week he's getting ripped by everybody i don't know what is going on with ben simmons but 
I think we need to really start looking at the Kardashians and try to find out. There needs to be an NBA rule put into effect where if you are an athlete in the NBA, you cannot date a Kardashian. (laughs) It's got to go in the contract. It has to go in the contract. This is the third NBA player we've seen who just falls apart after they come in contact with those witches. So enough, okay? Halloween's over. Go watch Hocus Pocus instead. That's my advice to any NBA player. I'm really crossing the line this episode. I just called them witches, but why not? (laughs) I have no explanation for this other than a spell. I mean, can you explain what's going on with Ben Simmons? What injury can he have? That is keeping him off the court this long. There's no conceivable injury. There's nothing. Giannis, I cannot tell you that. I'm not a doctor, but I am a spectator with a lot of opinions. And I do think if he wants to dial down the negative convo around him, he should just wear something so normal to these games. He's drawing so much more attention in for dressing so extravagantly and sitting on the bench and watching his team lose. And I think sportsmanship, that just kind of looks bad. It's just a bad look. Like, just show up, man. If you're not going to play, just show up and don't cause any more attention. And I don't know, wear your team-issued sweats. I don't know. Don't wear all that nonsense. It's a bad look, I think. But good unleashed. Boy, you hit on like five different points there. I was taking notes and drawing a <laughs> diagram. It is, I'm telling you, this is the weirdest story in sports that I can remember. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. So that's why I'm saying it's got to be a curse put on him by those witches. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I God, I hope none of the Kardashians <laughs> listen to our show. We don't know. <laughs> We have yet to confirm. You know, what can you do? Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm going to divorce my wife and I'm going to be sitting on the bench for this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, your, your comedy career would go downhill if that is what would happen. Oh, my gosh. Well, that was good. Hey, let's get back to NFL draft. Let's leave the NBA alone for a minute. Let's leave the Kardashians alone for a minute. And let's get into the draft and bring on Connor Rogers. Okay, let's bring in our guest. On the eve of the NFL draft, he's made his mock draft and checked it twice, probably a couple more times, the host of NFL Stock Exchange for Pro Football Focused and lead draft analyst for Bleacher Report. Connor Rogers is here. Connor, thanks for joining. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Happy to uh, rip up that mock draft at least eight more times before Thursday and the countdown goes on the clock. So here we go, right? And not only that, I feel like everyone's going to be ripping up their mock draft when it's all said and done because (laughs) no one seems that confident in their draft picks. How confident are you in your mock draft? Oh, this is the worst year I can remember, honestly, because it starts at number one, right? I think that's the hardest thing. For so long, I was set on Aiden Hutchinson going first overall in this draft. And, you know, for the longest time, I kind of put aside the Trayvon Walker rumors. And now it's you have to buy in a little bit. So I think the unpredictable nature of the number one overall pick kind of sets everything else in line. The good thing is it's going to be some kind of combination at one and two, whether it's Walker first and Hutch second or reversed. And then after that is where it gets really fun. The draft's in Vegas this year, which gives it, of course, an extra layer of excitement. But if you were given an all-access pass to any team's draft room this year, whose would it be? It's a great question, and I think it it has to be one of the two New York teams, right? Just because it's unprecedented to see two teams pick twice in the top 10, and two teams that really got to get it right. And I know that's kind of cliche to say you have the Giants starting with a new regime and Joe Shane. I think they'll be a little bit more flexible in terms of willing to move one of the two picks to get later capital for 2023 if that opportunity presents itself. And then a New York Jets football team that has to start winning games under Joe Douglas. He's done a nice job making trades. He's done a nice job acquiring the picks. But none of that matters if you're constantly losing on the field. So they know how much 4-10 and ten means to them. There's a lot of different combinations that both of those teams can go. So I would love to see the arguments between the offensive staff, the defensive staff, and the front office evaluators in both those war rooms right oh, now. Oh, Connor, you have picked a bone here with Giannis. Good luck. <laughs> we got a Giants fan on our hands. Yeah, we do. But first, I definitely want to focus on the Jets because they've had four top 10 picks in two years. Zach Wilson, Barrett Tucker, 
four picks in the top 40 this year. Are they running out of excuses, the Jets? I mean, should they just, should they be sent down like they do in soccer in Europe? <laughs> I mean, they got to get it done, right? And this is the, yeah, relegation, yeah. is that what they relegation, call it, Relegation, yeah. It's, God, it's tough. Uh, Ted Lasso term. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's how most of us know it, right? <laughs> I, I, man, it's crazy, right? I mean, I think the reason why they're selling themselves on some hope is that Robert Sala is still new there. But on Joe Douglas's terms, the first draft does not look good. The second draft, it's early returns, but that one does look good, and it's all going to matter what happens with Zach Wilson. So every other pick that it looks like a hit, it's still going to focus on the quarterback. I mean, you're right. you got to get this right, and it's not just 4-10. and 10. It's 35-38. and 38. Those don't need to be developmental players. Those need to be two starters, whether they get better at safety, linebacker, wherever it may be. They need to upgrade at starter-level positions, not depth pieces. So they need to hit on not just day one, but on day two as well. And with the Giants, I mean, I'm hearing they want an offensive tackle at five, but maybe trade back at 10. They need more assets. They're in salary cap hell, the worst in the league. What are you predicting they do? Maybe not with that first pick, but that second. Yeah, I feel like this is, uh, you know, jinxing myself by saying this, but I feel like they're actually one of the more easier teams to figure out in terms of at least the position groups they want to go. At five, it's going to be the best uh, offensive lineman available. Now, whether Iki Aquanu is gone, Mm -hmm. Evan Neal is gone, then it'll be Charles Cross. I think one of the two are there. I don't think Icky will be there. I don't think he makes it past the Jets at four, maybe the Texans at three. I think the Giants would love to have Evan Neal from Alabama at five. And then once again, that consolation prize being Charles Cross, that is not a bad consolation prize. So they're kind of zoned in on getting an offensive lineman who will play on the right side. Andrew Thomas will stay on the left side. Then you look at that other pick, and you're absolutely right. They're going to answer the phones. They're going to look at if anyone wants to come up jump Atlanta for the first wide receiver to come off the board. Maybe we have the shock of the draft and a quarterback sneaks in that top 10. We'll see about that. But if they can't get out of that pick or they don't like the offers on the table, I think they're looking at the cornerbacks. Something on defense, at least. Sauce Gardner at corner. I think Derek Stingley's a little bit more of a long shot. Jermaine Johnson, the pass rusher from Florida State, that would be his range at well. Maybe a Kayvon Thibodeau slide begins and the Giants are willing to end that slide. But Sauce Gardner would be the top player I would project in that spot. He's a scheme fit with Wink Martindale, and he's a top 10 overall player in this draft. So you're saying the Giants are going to do good. I mean, you know, I appreciate that. They're going to have a win. <laughs> Is that all you heard? That's all I hear. I Look, I hear what I want to hear when it comes to the Giants. That's just how it goes. Every year it starts off optimistic. Me and my wife, we put on all our Giants attire, and then we burn it halfway through the year. So Yeah. It's it's what we do every year. Uh, halfway through the year is pretty good. I mean, oh. here, for me, I grew up in a, a Jets household, and we don't usually make it halfway through the year. So take that one uh, and run with it. Yeah, okay, well, I, you're right. The only people who I feel worse for are Jets fans. So, I mean, it's been bad, New York. And we, you know, the Giants have won recently, so I feel worse for you. That's that's rough, being a Jets fan. Yeah, New York football is in a special place right special now. And the, I know the Bills are in New York, but it's just not... It's just not New York football to us, uh, you know, down in the New York City area. They're in their own universe. Uh, nothing against Buffalo, but they don't count as New York football being successful. No, they're Canadian. I consider them Canadian. Yeah, I didn't know how that worked. I'm a Midwesterner. <laughs> I didn't know how you New York people decipher your teams. Very complicated. And <laughs> I mean, complicated. the Jets and Giants play in New Jersey, so that's the Buffalo yeah. fans' rebuttal to them being a not, not a New York team. The bottom line is nothing. It hasn't been good for the Jets and Giants recently. Yeah. To credit to the Bills fans, it's been very, very good for them. Yeah. It's true. Let's talk quarterback. Is Kenny Pickett the safe play if you were drafting a quarterback? Is he the most NFL ready? Yeah. I mean, the problem is how far does that get you, right, Giannis? When you look at it, it's just a matter of is he on the tier of last year's guys, Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Lance, and even Mac Jones? He's not even there, right? So it's a matter of you could draft him. You could play him now. He's an older prospect. I believe he'll be a 24-year-old rookie. He was at Pitt for a long time, and to his credit, he figured out I just see the ceiling with Kenny Pickett. Everything works out. You love everything around him. You love what he's done and come in and thrive and understand the offense. As Derek Carr, who's fine. There's nothing wrong with Derek Carr. But how many times do you hear a guy get drafted as the first quarterback off the board in the draft and everybody says the end of the spectrum that everybody's celebrating at is Derek Carr? They usually like to throw comps of Rodgers, Mahomes, crazy things like that. So he's a fine player. He's not your traditional first-round quarterback, but he is the high floor of the quarterback class this year. Yeah, but a lot of people still like Malik Willis to go before him. He's got a cannon. He's a dual threat. He might have more upside, may not be as ready. How do you think his skills translate to the NFL, or is he kind of a project? The traits are incredible. He's got a big arm. He's got a a thick build that he can take on hits when he wants to be a runner. He's got really good vision as a runner. It's very underrated. 
He can make every throw. We all know that. I think, and this is the case for all these guys. It's not just Malik Willis. It's Desmond Ritter. It's Sam Howell. It's Matt Corral, elevated. They need to start throwing with anticipation. They need to get comfortable working through progressions over and over again, not just a play here, a play there. Malik Willis needs seasoning. He needs to marinate a little bit, and a lot of these guys do, but Malik is the home run swing in this class, right? If you're getting up to bat, and home run swings are what keep jobs. Joe Burrow obviously was the number one overall pick, but the guys you see in the playoffs are Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. These are top-tier premium quarterbacks. Those are the guys that are going to continuously be there. Lamar Jackson is going to be back there, an MVP previous year. So when you look at it in that regard, Malik Willis needs time, but at least the end of the development, the highest point for him is a premium starter. How far back does your draft prep go? Do you like have a personal database, <laughs> notes on these guys going back years? I mean, when do you start watching them from preschool? I mean, how do, how do you do it? Yeah, so I start the end of May every single year, <laughs> like an absolute sicko. I have a Excel sheet in front of me that wow. end of May after the declarations, everything is cut to 427 players. I ranked about 310. So you start at the end of May. You got to have a summer. Oh. Like you have to have a summer at some point. I think my family doesn't see me enough as it is. So <laughs> yeah. you try to get 50 to 100 done over the summer. And those are the premium guys. Those are maybe the top seniors that you know are in the draft, the juniors that are going to declare barring an injury or a meltdown kind of season. So if you can go into the fall over, you give yourself three months to go through 50 to 100 players. You have a good baseline. You obviously go through it throughout the entire season. December is full throttle. December is where you're trying to get this thing up to obviously 300 players ranked all the way throughout the spring. And that's the end result. It is uh, almost a year round. I would say 11 months comfortably. Giannis, you did hear him say before we started recording that he has a girlfriend. I'm not so sure now that I've heard your schedule. Are you sure, Connor? Does she exist? We'll see after the draft. (laughs) We'll see after the draft. This is the third draft she's been through with me. So we're at the point where it's like... You know, we know we know what this is. It's absolute mayhem, and then and then May, I'm a human again for a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, between your Mets obsession and the draft, you're just you're a busy man, my man. Yeah, yeah, keep him busy. Um, I'd go crazy if I didn't. It's slow. Some are slow. I'll admit that some are slow. Okay. It's that's the good the cool. good life of being an NFL draft analyst full time, right? Did you draft her first round, second round? Your girlfriend? What did her prep look like? Number one overall pick <laughs> is the safest answer you can give. You if you give anything else than that, you're in, you're right. in deep, deep trouble here, okay? Uh, right, right. It's not a Kenny Pickett high floor. It's not a Malik Willis long-term trade. I like the, that. This is the blue chip prospect, generational, there the go. whole nine. <laughs> I'm picturing your Valentine's yeah. card saying that, too. This is getting very sappy. This is nice. Yeah, she's at work today. I'm working from home. Uh, she won't know about this podcast, so. Okay. <laughs> or maybe she will. Speaking of number one overall pick, no one knows who the Jags are taking. Their GM, Trent Balky said this week that they're down to four players. Now, what I hear when I hear him make that public comment is that they're trying to lure someone to trade up, that they're not married to anyone at that top spot. But I'm also hearing that not a lot of teams are looking to move up. What are you reading between the lines from Jacksonville? They're going to have to make a choice. And I really do believe they're divided. And it's Mm. almost unheard of, right? I mean, how many times do you get to 72 hours before the draft and you look at it and you go, wow, we we don't know who we're going to take. And maybe they do internally. But a lot of the things I hear is that it's truly torn. You have a GM that's infatuated with a player like Trayvon Walker that is all projection. The college production was not the typical makeup of, forget a number one overall pick, a top five, top 10 pick. Then you have an owner that understandably is reading everything and everybody's saying, take Aiden Hutchinson. It's the safest thing on the board. And then he's probably sitting there going, why aren't we taking Aiden Hutchinson? And then you have a Super Bowl winning offensive coach that watched the film from last year and goes, this offense is horrific. We need maybe a tackle or something like that. So I really think they're divided. I, I don't usually buy into things like that this close to the draft, but I think they're divided. At the end of the day, the GM is the one with the roster control, which is why Trayvon Walker is the big-time favorite to go number one overall right now. How about uh, the Lions at number two? Last week, we had Mike Renner on. He told us he thinks they're taking a quarterback, Malik Williams from Liberty. Obviously, his level of competition, it's hard to judge. What do you think about Malik Willis? How do you think his game will translate in the NFL? And you think that the Lions are going to take him? 
I think it's going to take some time, right? He really does need that seasoning. And I think when it's all said and done in the right situation, if he goes to a Pittsburgh Steelers and sits behind Trubisky, they got weapons, they got Najee Harris. That's a situation where he can succeed. Now, I don't think he goes number two overall to the Lions. I think the Lions are sitting there essentially playing the game of Trayvon Walker goes number one. We will sprint in the Aiden Hutchinson card. I think they've felt that way going back all the way to November or December, guys. Now, if Aiden Hutchinson goes number one, I think they'll gladly take a Trayvon Walker level player and just say, we need to build the defense. I think what a lot of people don't realize is, and people don't have to agree with this, I, I maybe I don't, they do like Jared Goff. They're not scrambling at quarterback, whether that's right or whether that's wrong. They're paying him a lot of money, at least for this year. This is not a good quarterback class. Taking one at number two is going to be a reach no matter how you slice it for what a guy is now or for what he could be. And there's no job security issues there. They're on five-year deals. They're in year number two. They could be bad again this year. And they're still going to get to draft next year in a much better quarterback class. So I don't think they take Malik Willis. I think they're going to take a defensive, you know, trenches kind of player to build on their foundation. And they'll look to move on from Goff maybe after this season. Now, that was a pretty hot take from Mike Renner last week. So I've got to ask you, what is some wild prediction, some hot take you have for this draft? Wow. Well, I think I don't know if this is even a hot take anymore. I think the run on wide receivers, I think we're going to have five go between about picks eight through 15, mm. which is an, an unheard of run on wide receivers. That's just essentially wide receiver after wide receiver. Yeah. You have Atlanta at eight. I think the Eagles would like to come up from 15 if they can. That's always going to be a little difficult. The Jets at 10 are looking at wide receiver. Washington at 11 is looking at wide receiver. You just go down this board. These teams, the Texans at 13, and it goes back to the, even the Saints at 16, and they have two first-round picks now, so they're looking at wide receiver. So I think that's one that people keep comfortably thinking one will be there for Green Bay at 22, or one will be there you know, at 28 or 29 for the Chiefs. If you want one, you better be in the top 15 because I think the run is going to get absolutely crazy. And then the last one is I think Trevor Penning is going a lot earlier than wherever people have him right now, which is crazy. An FCS tackle, a little bit older of a prospect, a great athlete, but another guy that needs some development. I think the demand for offensive tackles is so high that we're going to see three, and the guys I talked about earlier, Equanu, Cross, Neal, they're going to go in the top seven picks of this draft, and that's going to push Penning up potentially into the top 16 of this draft. I've got to ask, speaking of wide receiver, and this is kind of not a wide receiver, what does he call himself, a running receiver, a wide back, Debo Samuel. There's a lot of news, and we are recording this Tuesday morning, something may be wrapped up by Thursday, of him wanting out of San Fran. But John Lynch says he doesn't imagine trading Debo Samuel. Do you think this week we will see some action? We saw the video of him at the club saying he doesn't want to stay. It's great. What would be a good fit for Debo Samuel? Well, when it comes down to it, there are really three teams I think that you see in play, maybe four. It starts with the Jets because they have the most draft capital out of everyone and the money. Olivia, it's so hard this time of year to move a guy that is getting $25 million a year because right. everybody spent their money already. <laughs> the spending spree is gone. Nobody has cap space left. There's only a handful of teams that do. Then that team has to have the draft capital to convince the Niners to move him. So when these things come up so late in the offseason, it's not good for anybody, to be completely honest with you. So that's why the Jets are at the forefront of that. They tried to trade for Tyreek Hill, and we're going to pay him $25 million a year. It didn't work. So they're obviously all over the wide receiver market. Once again, the Eagles are looking at wide receivers. We know the Packers need a wide receiver, although the Packers didn't pay Devontae Adams. So are they going to go trade for Debo Samuel? I know the Niners... Going to keep Debo Samuel in the NFC? Uh, that seems kind of crazy to me as well, if they even move him. But sure. to answer your question on the flip side, why there could be action this week, I mean, the Niners got to make a decision. If he's dug in, and you need to find out for, for absolutely for certain, if he's dug in that he's never coming back to play for your franchise, don't you need draft assets right now to help Trey Lance for next year, who's going to essentially mm. be playing his rookie season, his first year as a full-time starter? If you trade him over the summer because he's not coming back, you get picks for 2023. Those don't help your 2022 season. This is a win-now football team under Kyle Shanahan. So I wouldn't be surprised if these next 48 hours get a little crazy. What about Baker Mayfield? I know the Browns are going to have a hard time trading him, right, because of the money. Are they going to? Yeah. Are they basically going to hardball someone into forcing them to give away draft picks? I mean, what's the situation? Where is he headed? How's that going to turn out? I think the only way the Browns can unload that money is if they attach a draft pick with him, which is the last time I think we saw this was a Brock Osweiler situation a very long time ago. It's basically the contract is so bad and the player is not in demand because of that money that 
the team acquiring him really just wants the pick that comes with him. They'll eat the money for a year on the roster, maybe give him a shot to play. And you look at teams that are kind of in flux at quarterback, teams that are in a situation that he's not coming in to be the guy, but he's also not coming in to make things complicated around the certain starter, right? So Seattle, they don't have a defined answer at quarterback. Carolina at the moment, although are you really going to pay Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield to combine almost $40 million to be your quarterbacks? That's insanity. Absolute insanity. God. Although it's the one we hear all the time. Honestly, the hard truth is with Baker Mayfield right now, he is not an in-demand asset for the NFL, and that might cost the Browns to be able to unload his money. Does he just maybe end up staying on the Browns? They can't move him? There's a chance, but I don't think, I think both sides would say stay home. Yeah. I, I just imagine Baker Mayfield and Deshaun mm. Watson yeah. in the same training camp in Cleveland, it would be mass chaos. Right. It would be a circus like we've never seen before in an NFL training camp. I may sound naive here or like I'm still holding out hope, but I have a hard time believing Baker Mayfield doesn't have a starting job on one of the 32 teams. And like you mentioned, Seattle, wouldn't you take a Baker Mayfield over Drew Locke? I know Drew Locke has upside. We've seen him play great in Denver, but I still feel like Baker's the star. And I would like to think that he would have the smarts to reinvent himself wherever he goes next. Don't you think there's some truth to that? I do, and it kind of goes back to our Debo conversation, right? When you get this late in the offseason, how your market just gets devoured. And it's, yeah. you know, we could say what we want about Baker Mayfield, what he says on Twitter, Instagram, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's not right how this has been handled. Because if they knew they were always looking to upgrade from the absolute beginning of the offseason, I think the Washington Commanders would have taken Baker Mayfield over Carson Wentz a million times over. I think there's teams that... We're looking for a solution at quarterback, even if it's a stopgap option, a bridge for a year or two. They'd rather roll the dice on Baker Mayfield. They went out and got guys that cost a lot of money. They gave up draft picks. They made moves already where it was too late. And now I I do agree with you, Olivia. I think Seattle, I mean, how do you even sell that? That Drew Locke's going to be the starting quarterback there. That's a scenario where it does make sense for Baker Mayfield. And maybe the teams know, like a Seattle, knows that nobody else is really active for him. The longer you wait, the cheaper the price gets. Or like I said, maybe you can get a draft pick back. But yeah, I'm with you. When Baker Mayfield's healthy, and he was not last year, he is one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that's a pretty easy answer. Back to Malik Willis for a second. Peter King doesn't even have him going in the first round. Is that crazy? I mean, he's a dual threat. The Liberty level of competition is the only question. What's your view on that take? I'd be surprised. I think the Steelers not only, I think, take him at 20, I think they explore options to make sure they get him earlier if they have to. They just don't want to give up a lot to get him. Nobody wants to give up a lot to go up. I would be very surprised. Malik Willis on day two to me is a situation that has not been in my head since I left the Senior Bowl in January after he had a great week there and hearing all the teams how much they loved sitting down talking to him. So that would be a big surprise to me just because you have a lot of teams that can take a guy sit him for a year. I mean, I don't even think it's completely out of line that if he made it all the way to the end of the round, why would Tennessee not think about sitting him behind Ryan Tannehill for two years or something along the lines of that? There's just a lot there where there's a lot of homes for Malik Willis if he slides. Don't see him getting past the 20th pick. Okay, we asked Mike this last week. We talked a little bit about it of the crazy investigation that scouts have to do to look into these players to make sure they're getting a clean cut guy. As we know, that doesn't always pan out. But what's the craziest story you've heard of a question asked in draft interviews or some kind of deep dive into an individual? I think the most ridiculous one that's been overused to the point of just being absurd is when they ask you if you're a cat or dog. It's one of those things where everybody thinks the right (laughs) answer is dog for obvious reasons. And then sometimes they ask favorite color. And I don't think they do it for a reason. I think they do it to get the prospect to think and see how he reacts and if he just answers the question. So Mm. draft interviews are absurd. They are not made for public consumption, I think, at this point. And that's why you don't see much of them ever shot by teams, aired by teams. When they're leaked by teams, they get more and more ridiculous. It's gotten better, I would say, since I started doing this. But it's mostly just mind games. It really is. At the end of the day, you don't have a... There's a lot of teams that will sit down and just want to know about you, how you work. Sometimes they want to talk to you, not about you. They want to talk to you about your teammates because they're going to find out the truth from the guy you played with. Rather, you could sit in there and lie. So it's either mind games or it's just background work on somebody else. Or it could be trick questions as well. So it's it's kind of ridiculous. And now it's in person again. Let's not forget, it used to be on FaceTime during the pandemic where 
it was almost useless for teams. Is there any underdog who you got your eye on who's just going to make a splash that nobody's talking about, is going to get drafted and just surprise everyone? Or under cat. If, uh, under cat, yeah. Under cat or under, dog. Or yeah, under that's cat, right. yeah. <laughs> if, that's a good one. If we want to go deep cut here, I mean, we're talking player 150 on the board. Velas Jones from Tennessee, uh, an explosive returner, an explosive receiver. He tested really, really well. There's always that one guy, and a lot of it's, you know, the fantasy community hyping him up, training camp, preseason. There's always that one guy that has to sit there first two days of the draft. His name doesn't get... Uh, everybody goes home from the draft party. You're on the couch by yourself with the cell phone and the agent. And I think Velas Jones is someone that doesn't go in the top 100 picks of this draft and, and really sticks on the back end of a roster and by year two can be a legitimate playmaker in this league. So he's somebody that I would gladly uh, stick my name on and, and say, this guy is athletic. Tennessee's quarterback situation and passing offense was not great. That held him back. And, and once again, he's just been underutilized. And I think he'll exceed his draft expectations. Giannis, if you were a draft prospect, would you want to be in person at the draft or would you want to be home in case your night goes horribly wrong? No, I want to be there. I want to be there in person. Yeah. I want to be there in person. <laughs> I think you have to soak it in, right? Now, I've been in Vegas with Giannis and yeah. he'd get one of those big, tall daiquiris yeah. and he'd be sitting there and, and there might be a problem, but I think you'd have a good night either way. Yeah, either way, I'm drinking. So that's what it is. It's just, <laughs> am I drinking because I'm happy or I'm drinking because I'm sad, but I'm drinking either way. Yeah, it's an experience of how do you pass it up, right? At one time for work, I was in Vegas for eight days and by day five, you're just sitting in the sports book watching baseball. Ugh. Like, how much longer can I actually survive in this place? Uh, but the draft prospects, for most of them, hopefully it's just one night. At that point, too, the bartenders probably don't believe that you're there for work anymore, either. N- no, not at all. <laughs> I've been not there, too. <laughs> yeah, no. They get lying. Well, you're a Bets and Jets fan, so there's probably a lot of bartenders that know you by a first-name basis, right? When you, go- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would say that. I mean, in my neighborhood joint here, it's, uh, you know, for Jets games, I, I don't even stomach going out. That's just not off the table. That doesn't yeah. happen anymore. <laughs> Uh, for the New York Mets, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, how many rounds can you go through? They usually blow it at the bullpen as well. So you sit through extra innings. It could be a costly tab. <laughs> oh, man. That was a lot of fun, Connor. You gave us a lot of good insight and laughs. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. I hope you guys enjoy the draft. You can follow Connor Rogers on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers. Enjoy the NFL draft. And thanks again for being here. BetMGM betting expert, the man, the legend himself, Peter Andrew. Peter, welcome. Let's start talking all this movement now with the NBA playoffs. I mean, it seems like all the organizations adapted to the long season by resting guys to try to avoid injuries so everyone could be healthy for the playoffs. And boy, did that not work. I mean, we got Booker down. Joel Embiid, his finger, hes it looks like he can't catch the ball. What kind of movement are we seeing now with the odds now that Joel Embiid is hurt, Booker's down? Yeah, so Embiid's the, probably the biggest one. He's down to 18-1 to 1 finals MVP. I mean, not only is it the injury, I mean, that's a series now. By the way, I, I apologized too quickly last week. We'll get into that at some point, but Raptors are back. But, I mean, yesterday's game... I mean, he, I think he took 15 total shots. <laughs> did not look like himself. He's down to 18 to one. Booker, who seemingly could be back within a week, he's dropped down from I think four to five to one to to nine to one. So you're still seeing a decline there. He's actually even with Chris Paul right now in terms of Finals MVP. And then stock rising, Jason Tatum, no doubt, unbelievable series. You know, they were talking about it on the broadcast. You know, he was a great shooter last year. Now he's become just an amazing player because he plays defense couple steals. I mean, he's he's in every play. And that, that was the difference between a Celtics team and a Nets team, that KD turning the ball over nonstop, not playing team defense. So the Celtics are hot right now for good reason. 
Yeah, so that's the only series that's wrapped up, but we've got great Thursday NBA action that could do the same. Two desperation games, three two series leads as the home teams try to even it up, stay alive, stay in it. Also, Pete, two small spreads. Vegas thinking these games will be close, one and a half point games. We have the Sixers, who are the favorite in Toronto, and the Mavericks, who are the underdog in Utah. What's the safest bet here with two small spreads? I'm going both dogs. Okay. I mean, I would love to pick the Jazz on Thursday, but they got absolutely smoked in game five. So, I mean, what they ended up losing by 35 points. The team looked all out of sync. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell looked terrible. And then you had on the other side, Doncic, Brunson, I think they combined for like 57 points between the two of them. I mean, I think you just have to roll the hot hand and kind of going to kill them while they're down and just end the series. If this was a close game going back home, I could see the Jazz maybe taking it and forcing it. But Dallas looks too good. And I think importantly, the Jazz just look too bad. They just completely all over the place. I mean, I think Chuck called it out like four or five times on the broadcast too. Just missing the open pass, just trying to force things. Next thing you know, five defensemen just crowding him in the paint. Never going to win like that. And Dallas is a pretty capable team. I think they can score in kind of different areas. So I think they wrap it up. And then, like I said, Raptors, I mean, (laughs) while things didn't look too hot the first couple of games, I think they're coming back with a little bit of momentum. I think importantly, Sixers just having trouble closing games out. I think they at least forced to seven. T. Steibel, again, can't play because of international COVID vaccination restriction, whatever it is. So I think they take care of business, force to seven. I think the Sixers end up taking it in seven games, but I think it should be a good one on Thursday there. How about one more dog? Do you think Denver gets one more game against Golden State in Golden State, or do you think they close it out? I think it's over. Okay, so now over to the NFL draft, which begins tonight, Thursday. So exciting. And there's been a lot of movement since last time we talked, Pete, last week when Aiden Hutchinson was the favorite for first overall pick. We just had Connor Rogers on. He was just telling us that even he's changing his tune a little bit. Trayvon Walker is now expected at BetMGM and other books to be the first overall pick at minus 225. What do you think? Yeah, this is very much dictated by sharp or smart money we've been seeing a lot of it yeah and as a whole you'll hear this from lots of operators but we'll have low limits on nfl draft Mm -hmm. for these reasons there's so much uncertainty there's obviously news that can leak and that's why we try to protect ourselves a little Mm -hmm. bit but jags love the upside i think they look at hutchinson as the you know the quote-unquote safe pick whereas trayvon walker has extreme upside so i think they end up taking him if you can catch the price at minus 225 i think it's worth it it's laying a bit, but as you get closer and closer to seven, eight o'clock, I think you're going to see that price go to 400, 500, the market eventually to close. So you're not getting a bad deal right now at minus 225 versus where it could end up. But really interesting because you probably still look at those three DNs as probably first three picks. The order can certainly change. Obviously, the potential of a trade coming in there could impact things, but I think. Walker one is is now the hot move. Okay, I don't usually give betting advice on this show, and I I really shouldn't. I am a, a journalist first and foremost, not a uh, betting expert. However, I've got a little something here I want to share. Because Trent Baalke, the GM of the Jags, is saying that they've narrowed down their first pick to four players. And we can know clearly that those four players are Walker, Hutchinson, Iquanu, and Evan Neal from Alabama. We know that those are the four players that they're circling. So here's my take. If you're looking at Hutchinson, Iquanu, and Neal, who are all plus money, why not just leave Walker alone and take the value, put some money on the other three, knowing that that's 75% chance that one of them's going to go? Pete, are you with me? I am not 100% not with you because, (laughs) one, there's a bit of margin built into these for that reason that you probably won't come out net positive. And there's always that smoke in mirrors kind kind of thought that, Balky may just be throwing a curveball. So, oh my God, I can picture it happening, but I can also at the same time see something getting completely shaken up. Yeah. So I don't know. Man, see, I guess Giannis, that's Pete saying stay in your lane, Olivia. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's what I heard. That that was the subtext of that. (laughs) That's all I heard was subtext there. Uh, He was like, okay, why don't you simmer down now? He could have just said simmer down now. Yeah, he says, wait, when's your maternity leave? (laughs) (laughs) I went the political and nice route instead. (laughs) Yeah. Do you see any quarterbacks going or just 32 with Detroit? Oh, it's tough because it all depends on what happens leading up to Thursday with the six pick. So there's a lot of rumors around Baker going to Carolina. If they do, then obviously then you look at them taking a guy like Charles Cross, 
taking an offensive lineman to protect him. But it's all hypotheticals at that point. So six was the spot for quarterback. But now you obviously take that away. I don't see anybody else coming in unless you get to Houston, which I think is somewhere around 14. You have Saints with a couple picks that maybe they go the route of a quarterback too. But other than that, there's really not much. So it's all dependent on the trade market and then what happens from there. Baker's, I think, the number one that's going to go if there's a trade. Does Jimmy end up going somewhere too? I don't know. No one knows. But that's why I've said, I, you know, I was talking to you guys about this. I'd take the overs on Pickett and Willis on where they go. I think right now they're set like Pickett's 12 and a half. I don't see him going under that for right now. I think he goes 14, 15, 16, and then maybe to the Lions at 32 in that last pick. All right. There you have it. Okay, I like that. And as I'm perusing BetMGM's draft options for betting, that is kind of a fun one to do of just over-under. Again, I, I'm not, I assume everyone listening knows all about how to bet on the draft, but I also assume that we have some newbies who states just got legalized and get to see all this for the first time and do all this for the first time. It's so much fun, especially in a draft that has so many question marks. Why not have a little fun with it? Pete, leave us with one really good bet that you would put your money on, that you are going to put your money on. Yeah, I've already done it today. Jameson Williams, under 12 and a half. So for him to be pick 11th, 10th, 9th, so on for those newbies that are coming in. Yep. I see Jets have four and 10. Jets are probably going to go the corner route at four, but at 10, they need wide receiver help. And then you have 11, Washington, who's going to need help other than McLaurin, especially you're bringing in Carson Wentz. Jameson Williams, for everything that happened in his injury, everybody's saying he's making unbelievable progress on it. You don't just let that value go away. A guy like that, go to 14, 15, 16. And then if you're that team, he always goes to a Patriots or a competitor. So I think you have to take a shot at him at 10 or 11 if you're either Washington or the Jets. And maybe one of them or Garrett Wilson goes off the board quick at seven. And then that forces teams to trade up because you've seen one of the two guys that's arguably the best wide receiver in the draft go. So I think that starts to shake things up a little bit. And, and we've seen it in, you know before. Henry Ruggs goes early a couple of years ago. The, the market completely collapses and everybody's getting taken immediately. So really interesting to see what happens with the wide receivers, but love under 12 and a half for Jameson Williams. And I think it's close to, you know, normal money. I think it's like minus 130 right now. So you're not laying too much to, to make a good amount. Okay. I like that one. Pete, you've got us already, man. This is going to be a good one. Really fun, unpredictable NFL draft. Place your bets at BetMGM. Make sure you follow at BetMGM on all social media channels. So you can keep up with our draft coverage. Thanks so much, Pete. Thanks, guys. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.